0: a oh. to
1: Marsh, and you're listening to Death at Sec. I've been busy this week recording podcast episodes with the students in my funeral and cemetery law class. We've got a batch of excellent episodes in the next few weeks, including a look at the impact on the Protestant Reformation on burial and disposition practices in in Europe and the United States, some unusual burial and disposition practices and their likelihood of being legalized in the U.S., and an exploration of roadside memorials but this week is the latest in my series on music and mortality. About a month ago, I sat down with my friend Tim Mossberger in Champaign, Illinois, to talk about our mutual favorite band, the Avett Brothers, and a bunch of their songs that deal with topics related to mortality. Tim has a website called As My Life Turns to a Song, the Avett Brothers Archive. He has been methodically collecting and documenting the history of the band, and together with Paul Oler, has created a set list database that is as comprehensive as possible. And with me, Tim has created Tales of Avett News, a blog where we publish concert reviews, interviews with Avett fans and people connected with the band, and other content of interest to Avett fans. I'll put links to the three websites in the show notes so you can check them out. So before I get to the conversation with Tim about the Avett Brothers music and mortality, I realize that many of you listening to this podcast aren't Avett fans, and a short history of the band might be useful. Scott Avett and his brother Seth Avett began playing music together and in separate bands when they were in high school in Mount Pleasant, North Carolina. While in college, they merged two grunge rock punk bands to form a band called Nemo, which had an aggressive sound that featured a lot of screaming by Scott on lead vocals. After concerts, the trio of Scott, Seth, and bandmate John Toomey would wind down by playing quieter acoustic songs together. Scott picked up the banjo, and the trio began to experiment with music inspired more by the traditional American songbook than the then-current Seattle sound. The spin-off project, which was referred to as Nemo Downstairs, soon replaced the main band, and that trio released a six-song EP in April 2000. In 2001, Scott, Seth, and John rebranded themselves as the Abbott Brothers. That same year, the brothers met New Jersey native Bob Crawford. Legend has it that Crawford auditioned for Scott and Seth in a shopping center parking lot only a few weeks after he had picked up the upright bass. John left the band that fall, and the new trio of Scott, Seth, and Bob self-released Country Was in 2002 before signing with independent record label Ramsar Records, headed by Dolph Ramsar, The Avett Brothers released three full-length studio albums on Ramsar Records, A Carolina Jubilee in 2003, Minionette in 2004, and Four Thieves Gone in 2006, as well as several EPs and live albums. In 2006, cellist Joe Kwan played as a guest artist on the influential Emotionalism album and joined them on the road in 2007, becoming a full-fledged member of the band. Kwon, born in South Korea and raised in High Point, North Carolina, is a classically trained cellist who enriched the basic instrumental lineup of banjo, guitar, and upright bass, and allowed the band to achieve, as Seth Avitt describes it, a vague semblance of sophistication. Emotionalism attracted the attention of mega-producer Rick Rubin, best known for his work with diverse artists such as the Beastie Boys and Johnny Cash. Rubin signed the band to his new American Recordings label and produced the album that brought them to a new tier of commercial success. I and Love and You, released in 2009, peaked at 16 on the American charts and went gold. Three more full-length collaborations with Rubin followed. The Carpenter in 2012, Magpie and the Dandelion in 2013, and True Sadness in 2016. Magpie and True Sadness both hit number one on the American Folk chart, and True Sadness also hit number one on the American Rock chart, peaking at number three on the Billboard 200. The Avett Brothers have essentially been touring constantly since 2002. But unlike other perpetually touring bands like Fish and the Grateful Dead, the Avett Brothers are not a jam band. They are, however, like those bands, best appreciated live and play a completely different set list every night. Tim Mossberg attracts more than 400 original songs and covers that the band has played live over the past 16 years. In 2017 alone, the Avett brothers played 172 unique songs at 75 shows. If Scott and Seth Avett sound more like ministers than typical rock stars, it may be because they're heavily influenced by the legacy of their paternal grandfather, Clegg Avett, a Methodist minister. Although Clegg died the year that Scott was born, Seth relates that 92-year-old women will stop him on the streets of Mount Pleasant and Concord to tell him how much he looks like his grandfather and how much his grandfather meant to them. Clearly, the brothers are seeking to have the same kind of impact on a wider audience. Seth explains that we want to write songs about things that matter. One of those things that matter, of course, is death. And Scott and Seth have a lot to say about death, and more importantly, as my discussion with Tim Mossberger reveals, about life tim thank you so much for joining me today on death at sec and i'm very excited because we're going to talk about my favorite band your favorite band too right yes it is okay (laughs) and that band is the eight brothers of course and there's a reason we're not just talking about them because it's my podcast and I can do whatever I want to. But as I wrote in a piece a year or so ago, I think the Avett brothers are, I called them the unofficial house band of the death positive movement, because I think that they talk about death an awful lot in, in a lot of really meaningful ways, not just sort of as a throwaway. And so uh, Tim, who's the unofficial AVET archivist, was kind enough to go back through all his notes and look at song lyrics and really think about all the ways that the band has talked about and thought about death so that we could sort of go through it all. Yeah? Yes, I did. And so they have a couple of different sort of periods, right? Yes. So we're t- like, I mean, if we want to just kind of break it up, like the early years and then maybe the Ramser years and then the major label yeah. years or something. And those don't, I mean, those are just kind of rough Uh, Periods of time, but we're we were thinking about talking about some of their songs and their discussions of death, sort of chronologically, to show as they're sort of maturing their perspectives and as their music is maturing, right? Yes. So you want so in those real early days, they had a couple of songs that were relevant, right? Yes.
2: In the early days, this is before they became the brothers when they were in rock bands. When Seth Seth was in his own band, Margo, and Scott was in a band called Nemo. And then they kind of combined those two bands into one become nemo they kind of had some songs uh there's a song called brother wayne is in heaven now written by seth and his friend uh kenny graham which is about a friend who passed away on in a car crash january 1st 1998. so they seth wrote a song about his friend passing away and you know going on at that time going on to heaven and just missing him and the kind of person he was and just, you know, a song, that's what the song's about.
1: Yeah. Much. And those, and 98, so he, that, that was like early college or yeah. late high school. Right. Well, that's I mean, college
2: for him. And yeah. we're getting near like the middle, you know, Scott's going to get his first degree the next year. So Scott's still in college too. Okay. But it's ending there. But they went on to perform that song when they became the Avert Brothers sometimes too. When they played acoustic shows in like 2000, they still played that song sometimes, you know, cause it was an acoustic song. It wasn't really a rock song even though it appears on the second Nemo album. But it's an acoustic song.
1: And we should probably mention that you you mentioned all the different folks in the band, but the songwriters are primarily or exclusively Scott and Seth Avid?
2: Exclusively? Well, the words, yes. I think Kenny Graham helped with the music, obviously, so he gets songwriting credit. Right. But uh, the lyrics are Seth.
1: And then... um, their general practice has been sometimes Scott writes a song by himself. Sometimes Seth writes a song by himself. Sometimes they collaborate and sort of work together. Yes,
2: even though in those early days, I think it's a lot more separate. Like they each wrote their own songs and maybe someone helped with a line. Obviously nowadays they they collaborate a lot mm-hmm. compared to what they would have done back then in their separate bands. And in Nemo, Scott wrote all of the lyrics mm-hmm. and Seth wrote all the lyrics for his band, and when they combined, it was still, I mean, Scott had written all the lyrics for those albums, except for, you know, that song that appears on it.
1: Okay, so the the first couple of Avett Brothers albums, not a lot of songs that sort of focus on mortality, right?
2: No, most of those songs, you know, are Just Young Men, Relationships, Cars, (laughs) you know, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. that's... You know, the basis of those first few Rams Record albums and the first, you know, self-released David album is all just pretty much about
1: that. And then what was the first album that they had that really focused on mortality or had a, a lot of songs that sort yeah, of focused well, on that?
2: Four Thieves Gone released in uh, 2006 recorded in 2005. That's the first one that there's, you know, a whole set of songs that really deal with death.
1: So, let, so let's talk about some of those songs. So I think there you mentioned that there's three, right, yes, in particular. Yes.
2: So we have The Fall and Talk on Indolence are two of them, which are both kind of upbeat songs. I see lots of fans are always dancing to. But <laughs> at the end of the day, they are about death. I mean, The Fall is about the Grim Reaper coming to your door and death is coming and, you know, and trying to st- stop that. Like, you know, Scott, Zoe, you know, this is mostly written by Scott, The Fall, and his, you know – He wants to avoid death.
1: some of the lyrics that jump out from The Fall
2: There's a visitor in black at my neighbor's house which is the Grim Reaper You know my my neighbor says tomorrow the visitor says now
1: yeah, that's pretty dark. Kind of and free. yeah, and people are all shouting those yeah. lyrics, right? And yeah. then and then the refrain is and we all fall and we all fall down and we all fall, fall, down. Down, yeah. we all fall down, which kind of always reminds me of Ring Around the Rosie. Right? <laughs> which yes, is about plague good. victims. So, yes. yeah. If we huh. Yeah, that's we should ask Scott, was yes. the fall inspired by Ring Around the yes, Rosie? That's a good question.
2: And <laughs> I actually never thought of that. That's a good one. Uh yeah, and you know, that we're all going to face, we're all, death is coming for us all, and which is kind of a big theme of Scott, especially early on, his early songs of, you know, the Nemo song, 24, is I'm scared to death, you know, because life is coming, you know, death is coming. Yeah. It's kind of his big thing, and that's this is one of them. And then the same thing with Talk on Indolence is, would be the other song from Four Thieves Gone that deals with death.
1: Well, and that's got Grim Reaper imagery in it, too, yes, right? yes.
2: Because that, too, is, you know, about, you know, living your life, living your life to the fullest, because death could come and is coming. So live.
1: So here's a recording of Talk on Indolence from 2005.
0: This is a new song going on our new record, uh, and it's something like a talk on indolence. This is a song dealing with mortality, being aware of it and whatnot. Good God, here we go. in search of a reason the midst of the seasons the yard in the spring the summer, the snow, the regular stop, stopping, the record on go. latches slash the windows down the dog coming in and the dog going out up with caffeine and down with the shot and constantly worried about what I got in my confidence all and my confidence off, and I sink to the bottom I rise to the top check my work but I can't make it stop and I think to myself that I do this a lot world outside just goes and 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 goes goes and I
2: witness it all through the blinds of my window.
0: three because
2: he you know the refrain, things he says in that, especially near the end of the song that people shout along to is you know because we had to yeah. and you know you have to do things you have to live your life you know you have to sometimes take chances because we had to
0: because I love you because the damn alcohol Calls whatever at, at all. Long. Now I've grown too aware of my mortality to let go and forget about dying long enough to drop the hammer down and let the and oh, let's go! Wild
1: now, now I've grown too aware of my mortality to let go and forget about dying long enough to drop the hammer down and let the indolence go wild and flying through. Yeah. Of course, the way he says it, people don't really pay attention yes. to those words, right? Because yeah. he, he sort of breaks them up yes, and it's an,
2: yeah and it's such an upbeat song and you know the band has fun performing it yeah you know so and the crowd jumps sings along and then but at the end of the day it is about mortality and yeah we're all gonna die and
1: we all have this well life. but it's not but it's not I mean because um, you mentioned like these are young men writing these songs right yeah. so the it's it's a because we're all going to yeah. die someday, let's focus on living yes. sort of our best lives, right? Yeah. And yes. focus on what's important in the now because we have this reminder that it's fleeting, right?
2: Yes, yeah, so that's a good, that's the
1: best way to say it.
2: Because, yeah. I mean, I do think they write all these songs about death, but their whole catalog's about life, I would say. You know, it's about the journey of birth, through life, your 20s, getting older. and, and But at the end, you know, Death is there. Yeah. So, they write about everything.
1: Yeah. In the in the film, the documentary "May It Last," which is about the band, and I'll put a um, a link to information about it in the show notes for the episode. Bob says that the band has been accused of being fatalist, right? Yeah. Which um, I've never understood that because they're because as much as they talk about death, I think you're exactly right that their whole catalog is about life, and they are in fact like the most positive. Overall, the most positive lyrics and group that I could sort of imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's just not false positivity, yeah. right? It's like it's like world-weary positivity. Not world-weary, yeah. but like world-aware.
2: But I think the people who made, I think that comment comes from kind of like, what's, our album I'm sure we'll talk about later, The Carpenter, and Live and Die. I think, yeah. Because the, Live and Die were the same. Yeah. You know, I think we're all the same. I kinda think that that kind of comes from people who probably heard that song and are yeah. just like,
1: oh, you know. Yeah. Fabulous.
2: And I just kinda think it comes from people who doesn't listen to their whole catalog if you just started listening to it at yeah. a certain point.
1: Or or people who saw the imagery that Scott used to hand draw on the kick drum and on yeah. his banjo, right? And so he, yeah, and have the he would have what the skull, skull. and the hourglass, yeah. and, which is
2: all some of the you know vi- uh, images of vanity, you
1: know, right? and stuff, right?
2: Which he's upset. I mean,
1: it's memento mori stuff, yeah. and so that's that's not about. If you don't understand what the imagery is, maybe you sort yeah. of you know don't you don't see it primarily as being about life. Yeah. So then the third big song on Four Thieves that you wanted to talk about was the lowering. The lowering,
2: which. They don't play a lot these days hasn't been played very much in the last 10 years only a handful of times but i mean it's a song obviously they have said it's a true song they don't talk about the song an awful lot you know and what's the subject but matter is someone committing suicide and kind of the regret that obviously you could have done something could have done more you could have listened
1: They both sing verses on that song, don't they? Yes. And and they're both sort of if I had known. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sort of if I had known, um, I would have done this or that differently.
0: If I had known your heart was down that lonely day in Greenville Town, then I. That you're all alone but I'll kiss your head when death finds your bed and you are gone to you.
2: And just, you know, in the line of, you know, I sleep with remorse and regret hangs around my door. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, I think if, you know, you know someone who passed away, and you didn't, you know, oh. Which I would say, if, you know, please get help if you're thinking of suicide.
1: And that song, I think, is a perfect example of why this um, band and their music have been particularly meaningful for many people because anybody who has had that experience of losing a friend to suicide can hear that song and instantly relate yeah. to everything that they say. Right. Yes. Yes. You know,
2: which is also why I think, you know, some people, not everybody wants to hear that in their music, which I would say why some people don't get the April brothers. Yeah. But, I mean, they are very honest and if you do get it and you can relate to it, it means an awful lot to you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people who cry to the song all the time when they played it live, you mm-hmm. know, it's very emotional and people connect to it. And I just, you know, that's why fans are so passionate, I would say. Because mm-hmm. you, know, you do, you, you know, they believe in what they're saying, and, you know, they felt these words when they sing them. Like, you can watch a YouTube video of them, and you see it on them when mm-hmm. they sing the song, that, you know, these words meant a lot, and they meant it, and we know this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these songs, it must take a lot out of them to yeah. sing it. So it's no wonder we don't get them very often. Yes. All right, so then what's... Emotionalism?
2: Yeah, Emotionalism just really has the Die, Die, Die song, which, you know, you could... If you just Which, saw again, the new, is a
1: very jaunty tune.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and if you just saw the lyrics, it's all the... The title, you might think it's, you know, a heavy metal song, but it's not. It's kind of a pop song at the end of the day. So, yeah. But, you know, it's really just about, you know, us not knowing what comes after death. Yeah. You know, yeah. we all don't know. We can all believe that we know, but, you know, we're all going... You know, to die and...
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's you know. one of the mental puzzle lyrics of that one is nobody knows what lies behind the days before the day we yeah. die. Not the days after yeah. the day we die. The days before the day we yeah. die. Right?
2: Yeah, because, well, I guess, well, leading up to it, you know, to death, we don't... We're not going to know how we feel or we're not going to know what... Uh, I don't know what that even feels like. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just know... like, I well, My mom passed away and I remember she... They had her out, and then like they, she woke up. They took the stuff off and She woke up for like ten minutes, and I remember she uh-huh. looked up at me and just goes, "Oh my God, I'm going to die." Was, was oh, said to wow. me. and I would, you know. So when I hear, think of that, I think yeah. of that moment of like what she knew she was dying in pro- very soon. Yeah. And what did it feel like? How I don't even know how. What What do you think? Yeah, you can't yeah. possibly know. Yeah. I mean, you don't. You're not going to know, especially if you know. I mean, obviously things happen that you don't know, but if you know it's coming. Oh God, I don't know. Yeah. So, that would
1: be my thoughts on that. Yeah. about another youngster since it's not on an album but oh, it, doesn't it fit in this Yes, period? it does.
2: Yeah, yeah. this would be well, or this somewhere, would be or after this when they start okay. to record I Am Loving You. It's on the demos. They recorded a demo of it for okay. I Am Loving You and just didn't make the cut.
1: Because another youngster aka A Dream Appointed or whatever the fine I don't Although know
2: Scott from. has said it's another youngster.
1: Is it? Okay, yes. cool.
2: You would know. I think fans named it different things. Yeah. Not us never getting confirmation until Scott said it.
1: Well, that's one of my favorite songs, and I'm sad that they haven't released it, although I guess they sort of retooled part of it into another song. Well,
2: well, that one's written by Scott, and then Seth wrote Another is Waiting, inspired uh by Uh Another Youngster, and the story of two women entertainers, a young one and an old one. It's kind of the another youngster song.
1: But the, one of the lines that really jumped out to me from another youngster is Scott singing Am I Obsessed With Dying?
0: I was lost out there somewhere on the road This old man said he had no place he had to go He told me his time on earth, see, it was limited, you know He had no need to hurry I thought of your voice And what lay ahead of me And if I had it all again What would I do? Oh, is my life more than half of it through?
1: Am I obsessed with dying? And my and I like literally say out loud whenever I'm listening to that song. Yes, Scott. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I'm pretty sure you are, and that's okay.
2: (laughs) He has said that before in interviews that you know he's kind of obsessed with death. Well, yeah, you
1: have that. Yeah. What's What's that one quote? You
2: Scott says every time we put a record out, we go, let's not make this one so brooding. Let's stay away from death on this one. But we can't really can't. They just can't do it. <laughs> they just still keep writing about death, and I just think it's part of everything. You know, it's good.
1: So yeah. But you know, if I you're imagine. writing about if you're writing about life, you have yeah. to yeah. So well, and also and also I should say that they were um, influenced by a whole lot of different kinds of music, right? And so yeah. you, you mentioned like Nemo and Margo were more harder rock, and they of course listened to Nirvana and. Yeah. You know Shannon Hoon and you know a, a lot of um, like growing up in the '90s, they were listening to a lot yeah. of alternative and rock. Even... But then they're also, um, especially, sort of later on, influenced by more traditional uh, music that you would hear in North Carolina and Doc Watson. Yeah. And a lot of those songs are very death heavy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, mortality is a huge theme in sort of bluegrass and Appalachian music and the, the old ballads and all that. So it's not really surprising. I mean, Scott has a um, there's a YouTube video of him singing. Am I born to die? Right. Yes. Which is, Which an, is old. an
2: old goes back to England. Yeah.
1: I mean, but that whole tradition of those sorts of ballads, I mean, death is overhanging. And so in that way. The whole way that they talk about mortality is very in line with that songwriting tradition i feel like yeah right i agree with that <laughs>
2: Where they signed a major label, and then they get to. They were,
1: which is what say, 2009? No,
2: 2000, Well, they signed in two thousand eight. Eight. Uh-huh. They start do they do the demo. Well, they started the demos for "I'm Loving You" in two thousand seven, which would another youngsters on that and other songs. But they continued to write and they started recording with Rick Rubin in June of two thousand eight, and obviously "I'm Loving You" would come out in two thousand nine. Which there's not a whole lot of songs about death there. Most of it, to me, is about growing older, you know, and just kind of becoming, you know, coming from your 20s into your 30s, going, heading towards your 40s. Most of those songs are mostly about that, I would say, you know, things like Tin Man is about growing older. Which, your fans would be, no, I got an interesting note about that, is that Scott wrote that while driving from New York to Philadelphia, in between there, and just sang it into a handheld while driving. Scott so,
1: wrote yeah. Tin Man? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah.
2: So... <laughs> That's how I did that. And then they used to just mess around as a joke on, on during sound check for the song. It's a joke. That and late in life is a joke. Like they just were messing around and they became songs.
1: I like late in life. Yeah. I don't like it to be a joke.
2: Well, no, I think it just started as, just like, the playing it was just kind of, oh, I got this lyric, and then, uh-huh. like, oh, we like this. Let's form, a, let's finish the whole song I kind see. of thing. I see. Kind of just, like, the premise of it, probably a few lines, was like, oh, this is funny. This is a joke and the sound check messing around.
1: Yeah, gotcha.
2: Kind of like that. Okay. But we get to the carpenter, which is, obviously, you know, Lots of fans are on, more fans on this, the biggest they've ever been, Carpenter. And the big theme of The Carpenter, you know, is kind of death in a way. You know, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but death is a big part of Carpenter, I would say.
1: Well, Tim, I know you know that The Carpenter is my favorite in album. So it's really not a surprise that that's the predominant theme. So let's talk about some of the, a couple of the songs on there.
0: Goodbye
2: talk about live and die a little bit and you know how you know we're all the same live and die
1: live and die were the same you and I were the same
2: you know as long as you know was their first single you know everybody loves that one you know dance around to it but then again there's some heavier song there's the album closer life which is you know we're not which has the line we're not of this world for long and that song is truly just about you know letting things go you know Scott wrote most a big chunk of this one. Other than Seth wrote some of the verses on this one, so they kind of worked together on this one a little bit, even though Scott started it.
0: One comes of it, love it, love. Let go of it. Love comes from it. We're not of this world for long. Faith and promise keep me on this when starvation upon
2: Of goodbyes and letting go mm-hmm. is the song saying you know, over your life and mm-hmm. kind of life starting anew each time you say goodbye which is a little bit like to me when you lose somebody you almost have to eventually come to the point you know where you let go a little bit and then life goes on life is going to go on as long as you're alive, right so right you know, I mean to me that's and that's a pretty a song with a pretty big theme life yeah. Cool. so it's yeah. hard to tackle but I think it's a great it's one of their better songs I mean I think it's in their top songs to me yeah always will be And, but it's a huge theme so but then you get kind of the big song about that that is truly just about death on the carpenter is, wait I'm
1: sorry I'm, I just, I'm showing you that I'm where, I wear a ring that says we are not of this world for long <laughs> <laughs> so I agree that's a good song yeah
2: <laughs> but it's a, Through My Prayers written by Seth which he said he wrote one sitting about 20 minutes Wow. Which is amazing to me if you've heard the song, which I recommend if you have not heard the song, go look up a YouTube video of the Avett Brothers on March 8th, 2013. That is worth watching and you can see just the heartbreak on Seth's face the song. I mean, it's a beautiful version of the song. The harmonies are amazing. It's a wonderful version.
0: Fighting when winter began The coldness of our words Competing with the wind from the north Still they make me shiver But in a very different way The pages of the calendar kept turning away I have some better words now But it's too late to say them to you My dream of all dreams and my hope of all hopes Is only to tell you and make sure you know How much I love you and how much I always did And yes, I know you loved me, I could see it in your eyes And it was in your struggle and it was in your mind and it was in the smile he gave me when I was a kid. Oh. Feels like no one understands. And now my only chance to talk to you is through my prayers. I only wanted to tell you I cared. And every day since I found myself crying when the memory hits Sometimes it knocks me down Sometimes I can just put it away Down in my mind where I don't care to go The pain of the lesson is letting me know If you have love in your heart. Let it show while you can. Yes, now I understand. But now my only chance to talk I I only wanted to tell you I
1: cared So they recorded a demo version of Through My Prayers and then they recorded the the album yeah. version.
2: And, yeah, they released the demo version with the box set. Uh-huh. So that's how you got it. The box set of the Carpenter came with demos and one of the demos is Through My Prayers which Seth recorded himself. It's just Seth on the song on the demo. The album, you know, they both play on it, both sing on it, and there's even an oboe and a clarinet on the Album version. And oh, wow. Joe is beautiful, Cello is on that song to uh-huh. me. Really
1: makes that song too on the album. And then usually when they perform this song now, it's just Scott and Seth, right? Yeah.
2: Although there has been times where Joe's been yeah. out there and come out
1: you know, at the end. Yeah, at the end, yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. And
2: there's a song, too, that they actually don't play a lot. It's only about four, 50 times they've played the song. So wow. it's not a lot. Which, luckily, I was I was there for the first time. Oh, wow. And in Indianapolis in 2012.
1: Yeah, Indianapolis. September
2: 30th. And the big thing about this to me, which shows which kind of people they are and the fans, um, there was a great fan called Chris Van Timmeren who was a really good fan, loved the Avett Brothers. He has an amazing YouTube channel with him and his son singing. And he passed away months before that, and his parents were at that show when they played that song. And I'm sure they played it. They knew they were that he was there, that his parents were there. And he passed away in a car crash. And I know they played that song partly because his parents yeah. were there. And the fan, you know, and lots of fans knew him. He was If he was here, he would be here today, I have no doubt. Yeah. That he, you know. A lot, and they appreciate their fans, and they always have. And I think fans realize that.
1: Well, there's been a couple of times when I've heard them sing Through My Prayers, and they, and I think every time I've ever heard them sing it, Seth usually says, we're playing this for somebody yeah. in the audience, you know who you are, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: You know, because you know, I think it is, a, I have friends that I've noticed, it's like, oh, I skipped that song on the album, because it is a very yeah. tough song to hear. Yeah. And... So I do think, so. but live, in person, I think, you know, it's a beautiful song. And if, to hear it is, you know, means a lot to people. So
1: so did Seth write this about any person in particular, or do you know the story behind it?
2: You know, it is never really said, although people kind of assume that it has, obviously, someone very close to him. Mm-hmm. I would just say that, I, you know. Yeah. But it was someone very close to him that, you know, he knew for a long time. Yeah. And... And, or, you know, as far as I know, I can't even say it's just about one person, maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe. So he
1: hasn't really told the story of who, of who it's about, or even if it is about somebody, right? It is No, it is
2: about somebody. They have said, he has said that it is about someone, you know, that he was very close to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, most people assume a family member and stuff like that. You know, I, I just don't think that's the big, until he says it it's not the biggest thing. I mean, sure. cause it's just truly about a mo- losing somebody and the thoughts you have after that. Right. You sit down and think of the things you could have told that person, the things you wish you could have said. And you think, which, you know, he's obviously thinking about near the end that there was, you know, a fight, a problem, you know, yeah. something they disagreed on and the regret of that. But that isn't the whole picture. Cause obviously you had this whole life with this person and right. this whole time. Right. And there were great times isn't the only thing, but you, you know, we, when we're going through grief, obviously we hang on to some very bad things, I think that we have to get out and let go. And, you know, that's kind of what this is, is that he wants the chance to tell them one more thing, to tell them what, what he wanted to say. But he also realizes part of saying that is the only way he can say it is through his prayers. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so in a way he knows that they already know it. He knows that the person knows he loved them. Mm -hmm. He just wanted another chance to say it.
1: What do you think about – do you think that there's um, – you can see a change in their songwriting from the lowering to Through My Prayers in terms of how mm-hmm. they were – or, you know, or just them maturing as people in terms of those two songs are both about confronting the death of a person, and there's and they're both filled with regret, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, they're very similar, but I do think, yeah, More Mature and Through My Prayers – and i just think there is a little more hope i think in through my prayers than the lowering in a sense cuz you know through my prayers is yes it's very sad and he he goes through the stages i think of being grief sad and but like and then just there's just a little bit of hope and you know and to tell the ones was you know what's the line i only wanted to tell you i care yeah. things like that i just think there's a little more hope as they got older, you know. Well, and also the,
1: you know, the, what's the line about Is it my dreams are filled with remorse And yeah. the lowering? Y- yes. My mm-hmm. thoughts are filled with remorse. With Something, yeah, something's yeah. filled with remorse.
2: I'm filled with remorse. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. And, and, and the, the lowering seems like it's so backwards looking about this is how I feel about this person who died. Right. And these are all the things I wish I could have changed. Through my prayer seems like it's forward looking. It's, it's. I regret that I didn't have a chance to have these conversations with you when I could have. I'm not going to make my, that mistake again, right? Yeah, it's yes, it's yeah. yes, now I understand. I mean, the song ends with yes, now I understand. I get it. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to treat the people that I love differently because I recognize the fragility of life. It, it seems like you can, uh, well, we'll talk about no hard feelings, but, I mean, he's on his way to no hard feelings. Yeah, I would say Yes.
2: Yeah,
1: not that I think about this or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, once in future, carpenter is another strong grim reaper analogy yeah, in there, yeah. or, or meta- I shouldn't say another Scott. All oh, oh, Scott. That's all Scott. All <laughs> yeah. the grim reaper Pretty much. metaphors are Scott. Pretty much. Wait here, let me. Because the line? thing
2: on this one, well, this is the, the chorus he wrote the song then Uh like months later he couldn't ever think of a chorus and he was sleeping in the middle of the night and it came to him like kind of in a dream ran downstairs on the piano finished it out and became a song but you know this is you know when the black
1: cloak drags upon the ground i'll be ready to surrender and remember we're all in this together if i live the life i'm given i won't be scared to die
2: But we get to another song from The Carpenter, the Once and Future Carpenter, which kind of you know helped inspire the name of the album a little bit, but also a song from their next album, Magpie and the Dandelion, which all the songs from that, except for the live version of Souls Like the Wheels, were all recorded when they recorded The Carpenter. So they're all the same chunk of songs, same mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. written, recorded, same time. So... But uh, there's a song called "Morning Song" on Magpie. So, and who
1: who wrote "Morning Song"? Uh,
2: "Morning Song" again is mostly Scott, I believe. I think they both wrote this one. But this one has a lot to do with their aunt who passed away. That's the big one of this one. my favorite Scott, my favorite Scott quote about "Morning Song" is this: would be the gist of what it's basically talking about, admitting that maybe you just don't give a shit after all. <laughs> So that would be maybe be a very simple way of putting the song. The song is a little bigger than that, and you know.
1: Well, what what lyric in particular do you refer- is, is just, Scott perhaps referring to? I
2: think just the whole that you you know that I, you have to find that melody alone is uh-huh. probably the big thing on that. That you know, I I know there's an interview, a radio interview where Scott talks about and kind of about the line from True Sadness, the, the kingdom of heaven is within us, uh-huh. and that how we're at some point during the day, we're all alone. Even if someone's with you, you know, you that person could fall asleep for a second, and for a little bit of time, at some point, you're always alone. Mm-hmm. So it's all, you know, you have to find these things within you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's kind of the big thing of that.
1: Well, it's a huge. So, it's a that's a big dichotomy in their yeah. in all their writing, right? Because they're very community based and family based, mm-hmm. and they're all about. I mean, we were just talking about you, you have to reach out to the people that you love because they may not be around forever, right? But, yeah. but you can't lose sight of you've got to find the melody alone.
2: Yeah, which, you know, comes from a big part of this is their Aunt Alice who passed away. And she actually is on the song at the end singing in the big chorus with a bunch of other people who were oh. their friends and crew members and just people they knew they all Rick Rubin had the idea of having a bunch of people sing the, the, you know, kind of the irony of I have to find this melody alone, mm. having like 15 people sing that line. Mm. That's mm. kind of the thing. It's all right if you
0: finally stop caring Just don't go and tell someone that does Even though I know there's hope in her
2: But um, she, you know, she was a big part of them, a big part of their life. She, they lived in Northern California. She was a part of helping them. When they first went to California in 2004, she helped them. She, they played in her area. They built a stage for them. She was always there for the band. much And, of course, always from little kids, always kind of there for them. And she was passing away. And she got, she got to see the song. The kind, And it's kind of about she talked to Scott and kind of said that she has to, you know, she would love to help people, but, you know, she's going to die alone. She's mm-hmm. got to do this alone. She's going towards mm-hmm. death alone because mm-hmm. we all will. And that's kind of where the song is about and came from is that she kind of inspired the song
1: in a way that. This is their dad's, their yeah, dad's sister. sister. Yes. Yeah, because Jim's I think Jim's um, written a song about her, too. So that was obviously a, made a pretty big impact on yeah. the whole family.
2: And then the, the line in here, dead until the high, shamelessly alive until the low, was inspired by their grandfather, Clegg. So that sign, he, uh, Scott has said that that line came from a sermon that he wrote.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, a big song about, uh, about just us finding our way alone into death.
1: And so there it's the we're all in this together versus you have to find that melody alone. Right. That's the that's the the tension. Yeah. Tim, is it fair to say they've written a couple hundred songs?
2: Yeah, they released, you know, they've released over 100 songs, obviously. And they write just for like when they do an album, like for even for True Sadness, they brought, you know, 20 something songs. Right. Only released
1: 12. Right. So so they've written and they perform. And I think any given year they perform. More than a hundred oh, different yeah. songs. Yes, they've
2: always performed. They perform quite a bit.
1: So the the bottom line is they have a, a really broad catalog, right? Yes. yes. But if in twenty eighteen we said, "What are the two songs that these two guys are going to be remembered for writing?" One Scott and one Seth, respectively, there probably wouldn't be a huge argument about what those two songs would be. Do you think? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so either. And not coincidentally. Or maybe coincidentally, um, when I asked their mother what her two favorite songs were or what her favorite songs were that her boys had written, these were the same two songs that she mentioned. And so what are those songs? Uh,
2: Murder in the City, which primarily written by was written by Scott and No Heart Feelings, written by Seth.
1: And the subject of both of those songs is, <laughs> is you know,
2: is death. A, is de- it's, a, it's a pretty much both death letters. Yeah. There, so
1: no, I and I love thinking about it that way. So let's so let's talk about. Let's start with "Murder in the City."
0: If I get murdered in the city. Don't go revenging in my name. One person deaf and such is too many. No need to go get locked away. When I leave your arm, the things that I think of. No need to get over alarm, no. I'm coming home. I wonder which brother is better. Which one our parents love the most sure to get in lots of trouble that's true they seem to let the other go a tear fell from my father's eyes I wondered what my dad would say he said I love you and I'm proud of you both in so many different ways murdered in the city Go read the letter in my desk Don't worry with all my belongings, no, no But pay attention to the list Make sure my boys know I love them Make sure my girls know the same Always remember there is nothing worth sharing Like the love that lets us share our name Always remember there is nothing worth sharing Like the love that lets us share our name
1: did um, Scott write this
2: well it was released in 2008 and he started performing in 2007 I don't think he's ever said what year he started writing it but my guess would be 2005 you know somewhere Mm -hmm. in there probably starting writing it and so what's the song about well the songs inspired because he used to write sort of not the exact song obviously but a version of it He used to leave a letter for his wife like what to do if he dies
1: while he's out well, on tour. Yeah, while he's out on tour. Like, you leaves. know, if
2: he dies in a car accident on tour or on the bus or anything, you know, these things have. And he used to say he would leave, I mean, seriously, would leave a note like, half Seth finish this song. Mm-hmm. You know, do this, do these things. He would leave, you know, tell her, I love you if something happens to me. You know, I love you. He would just leave these notes thinking of, you know, he could die. Yeah. You know, on the road, which obviously you can. I mean, you know.
1: Well, he references that in I Am Loving You, right? Load the car and write the note.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always a little bit on his mind, obviously, you know, which if he traveled a lot, of course it would be, I mm-hmm. think, or, so, but yeah, so the song kind of comes from there, <clears throat> kind of just, he used to leave these notes about it, so he wrote, you know, this song about if he gets murdered in the city, you know, <laughs> what, and he also used to have a thing with cities, he used to, you know, obsessed with New York City, and just kind of bigger places.
1: Is the city New York City? You know, I don't know. Has don't he ever know. said that? I don't think that? he's
2: ever said that. But for someone who he's, you know, he's talked about, like if he lived in a bigger city, it would just, there be so much to do and he would want to do all of these things. Yeah. So, and he used to talk about New York City quite a bit and how he was originally scared of it. They were as a band mm-hmm. and then, you know, loved it, you know.
1: And wanted so to be accepted there. My
2: thing, I mean, I would guess, I would put as New York City as the city, but what Scott
1: thinks, you know, he wrote the song. So, if I get murdered in this city, don't go revenge in my name, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, one person dead from such is plenty, although sometimes these things too many. Yeah. Right? Uh, no need to go get locked away. When I leave your arms, the things that I think of, no need to get over alarmed, I'm coming home. Yeah. So, like, I'm thinking about yeah. death. I'm obsessed with death yeah. the whole time I'm gone. But don't you worry yeah. about yeah. it.
2: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> to I mean, I'm gonna. warn you about it. Yeah. But- don't worry, I'm coming home. Right. So, which, you know, I get that. That's, you know, is which I guess in his mind, how he, you know, leaving and going out on the road, you just have to deal with it. You know, you got to prepare, but also, it'll be fine. I'm coming home.
1: Too. Yeah. But then the middle two verses, which I think are what jumped out at me probably the first time I ever heard the song, they're a little incongruous because right. they're not about that. Yeah. Right?
2: No. But, I mean, I guess... But, you know, I just think they're just about, you know, thinking of his family. Yeah. You know, been about, you know, if you were sitting around thinking about, you know, looking back at your life because, you know, thinking about death, you would think of your family, obviously. So I think the next parts are just because he's thinking about family.
1: Yeah. And but then he comes back to it. If I get murdered in the city, go read the letter in my desk. Don't worry with all my belongings, but pay attention to the list.
2: And that would be the list like I said, the list of things he talks about he used to leave, you know, for people to do the finish, you know, all all of those ideas, I'm sure, and just stuff he wanted people to know. Mm-hmm would imagine.
1: As a person who teaches estate planning, I don't like the line, don't worry about my... don't worry with all my belongings because that sounds like <laughs> he's not engaging in thoughtful estate planning, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'll let that go for now. But then uh, make sure my sister knows I loved her. make sure my mother knows the same. Always remember there's nothing worth sharing like the love that let us share our name. Which is, of course, the line that everybody yeah, sings, sings along to. And then he switches up when they're doing it live, That my sister now is my girl what's he saying my girls my girls sometimes my... And, you know and
2: he's changed it over the years so yeah
1: a few things yeah and then brandy carlisle covered yes. murder in the city right and yes. then how'd ha- she change the she changed those lyrics she, to she make know. sure my wife knows i love yes. her make sure our daughter knows yeah. the same um which i thought was it, it reads very differently as a song when brandy sings it i think i mean not which, very differently yeah. but i mean a little bit differently
2: these are the only two songs they let other people cover.
1: So Brandy covered Murder in City and then Manchester, Manchester. Orchestra. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. Manchester Orchestra. Covered No Hard Feelings. Yeah. So let's talk about No Hard Feelings. So that's that's the Seth song. Yes. And this came out on True Sadness. True Sadness. And then it is and then I mentioned earlier the, the film May It Last, um, the documentary, which was about the recording I and mean, it's about the band and it's about recording that particular album but probably the highlight of the film or the dramatic center of the entire film is the scene where they record this song right yeah
0: Won't hold me anymore And it finally lets me free Will I be ready When my feet won't walk Another mile And my lips give their last Kiss goodbye Will my hands be steady When I lay down my fears My hopes and my doubts The rings on my fingers And the keys to my house With no hard feelings When the sun hangs low in the west And the light in my chest Won't be kept held at bay any longer when the jealousy fades away and it's ash and dust for cash and lust and it's just hallelujah and love and thought love in the words love in the songs they sing in the church and no body won't hold me anymore and it finally lets me free. Where will I go? Will the trade winds take me south through Georgia grain or tropical rain or snow from Will I join with the ocean blue or run into a savior true and shake hands laughing and walk through the night straight to the light holding the love I've known in my life.
2: Seth and somewhere around 2006 is when he started it. And it came to him while he was driving the first line, When My Body Won't Hold Me Anymore. And he kind of had that line, kind of sat on it for years and like would come back to the song, kind of write it, and it would start to form itself. And I think it's such a big, heavy song that, you know, it took him a year, you know, it took seven, eight years to write. And until they recorded there there, which you can see in May It Last, when they recorded that song. But it just, you know, he had to live through a lot of things to write the song. Yeah. So.
1: I, but I love that line. I mean, when my body won't hold me anymore. Right? Yeah. I mean.
2: It's a big place to start of a song. I'm a certain big... that that's the problem. Like, I think if he would have just, well, I have to finish the song today.
1: Yeah,
2: he he wouldn't have written this song, yeah. the song that it is. I just don't think you could have. Yeah, I think to have that line, you needed time. Like he he had to live through, you know the you know a divorce, finding love again, loss of friends and family members, other people getting sick, you know family members having kids getting sick. You know Bob's daughter. I think all of these things helped write this song. Yeah. Know, contributed to all the thoughts of the song
1: they played it live before they released the album right because i remember listening to the recording of it and it was austin city limits it, it's the line um uh, and it's ash and dust for cash and lust and it's just hallelujah and randy talley who is recording it he just said wow after that line and you know I'm literally tearing up <laughs> thinking, <laughs> thinking of the first time that I heard that and, and hearing Randy's reaction to it because, oh man, that whole, that whole part and, and loving the thoughts and loving the words, loving the songs they sing in the church and no hard feelings, right? Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this is like the most mature song about confronting mortality, and personally confronting mortality, not the death of another person, not processing grief, yeah, right? Yeah, the lowering and through my prayers, those are about processing grief. Murder in the city is a great song, but it doesn't come close to this in terms of contemplating your own sort of place, right? I mean yeah. there there's ten years difference, more than ten years difference between these two songs and and different songwriters, but that's yeah. not what it is. It's about it's about maturity, don't you think?
2: Yeah, and I just think, yeah, because is about a bigger, you know, yeah, it's just all of Seth's life, I think, you know, took to write the song, or a big chunk of it, of yeah. the things as adults we all deal with, you know, I think is in the song, which is why you can, you know, it is, yeah, about confronting your death, but it's also everyone should be able to relate to the song because it's about life. Even my wife, who's not a big fan. I looked at me and said, everyone should hear this song. Yeah. Because it just, you know, it's about being a better person, about looking at your life and everything, everybody else's life and everything, everything we have, everything we take for granted, I think, just everything, you know.
1: It's the ultimate sort of perspective. Yes, Right? I would say Yes. Because at the end of the day, when he talks about letting go of your material possessions, right? Mm-hmm. And walking straight to the light. And he says, I don't know where I'm going to go, right? I don't know what's going to come next and and what is waiting for us after death. But I know this part is closed. This chapter is closed. And so what's the point of hanging on, right? To n- no hard feelings yeah. and then ends with the refrain, I have no enemies. Yeah. Repeated, repeated. Mm-hmm. And... I think going to Red Rocks, 10,000 people, and you got those acoustics. And then on the last, I Have No Enemies, they don't play any instruments, and they don't sing, and they just let the crowd sing that line back. I have no enemies. Come on,
0: I have no enemies.
1: On, y'all. I
0: have no enemies.
2: I can't tell you how many fans, after hearing the song, would be like, man, they looked at their life differently like, yeah. to be like I need I can do some things differently which we all can always need things to improve on and do differently but I just think that a song made people really think about their life and I mean that's a big thing to me I mean wow what a song that could really make you think how you treated somebody or how that you weren't friends with someone anymore and yeah. why weren't you and that you should forgive them yeah and just what a song that you know some unbelievable and
1: and that's a, that is a song that i mean they've been closing almost every show with that yeah. song right yeah and we're gonna go see him in champagne tonight and i will bet money nobody would take that bet who knows anything but they will close with that tonight right
2: yeah i would imagine so i mean i hope so i mean yeah it's only been around 2016 it's already over 130 times they've played it i think yeah. it'll stick around for a long time and yes i mean I personally don't think it's a downer of a song personally even though obviously the themes of mortality and everything it's all there but I think at the end of the day it's a very it's a positive song it leaves me yeah. hopeful and you know glad that I'm alive to hear it yeah <laughs> and just you know and think about it and I think about my own life and my you know my parents life and just everybody who I know like I want to be such a good person I try every day Be good. How I want my daughter to be. I want my daughter to grow up and have no enemies. Don't see the people as your enemy, even if you disagree with them. Yeah. And you don't agree on everything. They're not your enemy. Like, we as human beings shouldn't be enemies. We shouldn't have enemies. I mean, we go through our day trying to live and eat food and laugh. We all really want the same things, mm-hmm. but we let all of these other things get in our way. Mm-hmm. And I think if everyone sat down and heard the song, how would it not improve your life? And even Seth has said the song is a little bit, it's bigger than him. Like he he wrote it, but he doesn't even know how he wrote it exactly. Mm-hmm. It all just came to him as because it did. Mm-hmm. And it's bigger than anything, and I think it is. And I hope over time, I think they should continue to play it and play it as every show, because everyone should hear
1: it. Yeah, because it's a message that everybody needs to hear. Yeah, we don't hear enough.
2: That is true. We don't hear it enough. And you know, and I understand it. You don't. There's lots of music. Is a wonderful thing, and there's music that's fun and should take you to a place that's not your life and entertain you. But there is a place for music <coughs> to. You know, to give you the truth, to give you, you know, what you really need to hear about your life. And I think the Ava Brothers do that, you know, and so, which is why people have such a big connection when it does hit your life. It means an awful lot to you. Mm-hmm. And then you meet these other people that mean a lot to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's why I'll spend my day talking to hundreds of fans and I won't regret a minute of it. And it's because of the Ava Brothers music, but it's because it's all these good people that believe. In these good things Mm
1: -hmm. the life can be better yeah so Seth is often photographed and and has been wearing a very particular necklace for years and what's what's the story about that
2: well it's a he made it in college at UNC Charlotte and it's the profile of a human skull with musical notes for teeth and he says it symbolizes music going into death
1: what does that mean music going into death That's (laughs) uh, now that's <laughs> that's his quote on the song. So
2: I take it as that you know he's going to be making music for his uh, whole life into death. Uh-huh. I mean he, Seth, you know, is probably out of the bunch of the band that loves to be in the studio the most. So, you know, if the band was to end, Seth would probably continue to make lots of music. He has a home studio. Seth would you know, and I think he knew early on. Seth, as Seth has said, you know, that kind of the inspiration beside, behind the True Sadness album cover of the astronaut and everything on there. Seth is only wanted to be two things, an astronaut, and <laughs> right. then he changed it to being a musician, and that's mm-hmm. it. And I think that necklace, he wears, he's always worn it through the years for the most part, mm-hmm. symbolizes that, that he is going to make music till his death. And I think that he will. I think we will get hundreds of songs, you know, thousands. I mean, as many songs as he wants to put out, that's yeah. for sure.
1: Well, we'll keep listening to him. Well, thank you, mm-hmm. Tim, so much. I really appreciate you you taking the time and doing this and sharing all your
2: your expertise with us. Thanks for having (laughs) me and, and let me ramble on about the Avery brothers, which anyone who talks to me today will, you know, know that I can do. I can just ramble (laughs) on about them all over. sometimes in circles. It's
1: not rambling. It's a (laughs) podcast. That's what podcasts are for.
2: No, I'm happy to be on it. And if anyone ever has any questions about the Avery brothers, you can always contact me. I'll always help. (laughs)
1: hope you've enjoyed this extra-long episode, which may have just been an excuse to hang out with Tim and talk about Avett Brothers' lyrics. If you're unfamiliar with the band, then we should probably assure you that they've also written a ton of songs that don't mention death at all. There are, after all, a lot of other aspects to life. Those songs are a little outside of this podcast subject matter, but maybe one day there will be a podcast just about Avett lyrics. In the meantime, check out the show notes for more information on the band and their albums, as well as links to Tim's websites. Thank you to Tim Mossberger for being my guest today on Death at Sec, and thank you to the Avett Brothers for the music. If you like the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe or drop us a rating on iTunes or whichever podcast provider you use. Thanks for listening!